Welcome to 10 Questions with NBC10 Boston. I'm Kwani Lunis, and today's guest is the senior pastor of Jubilee Boston in Mattapan, Matthew K. Thompson. Thank you so much for joining NBC10 Boston today. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to um, get any of my other uh, parishioners in trouble. So Jubilee <laughs> Boston, Jubilee yes. Stoughton, that is true, and Jubilee Worcester. So. Uh, um, I'm, 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 I'm blessed to be here. Glad that you invited me. Absolutely. And we definitely will talk about the other campuses that you have because you were able to do that during the pandemic, which I think is very fascinating. But first, for those who don't know anything about you, I do want to backtrack a little bit sure. and tell us about your upbringing. I know you're a preacher's kid and obviously now a preacher. So what was that like growing up? Well, so I have eight well, seven brothers and sisters, me makes eight. Um, and uh, my dad moved to Boston in 1972, uh, the year that I was born. So I guess I'm dating myself in terms of how old I am. I, I know I, I may look young, although I got I got some gray and I got some, I, I got some, I got some cracks in my knees to prove how old I am. But my dad came to Boston in 1972 uh, to pastor a church um, in the Dudley uh, Square area, uh, now Nubian Square area, yeah. and uh, pastored that church for 10 years. And then in 1982, stepped out in faith and founded New Covenant, now Jubilee. And um, I have an older brother who is a great man of God who pastors a great church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Then I have an older sister who pastors in Rhode Island. Then me. Then under me is national recording artist phil thompson who travels around the world uh, he wrote a song called my worship i'm pretty sure some Ooh. of you have heard of that song and then i have a sister april who pastors in alabama then my brother joel who's a cfo then my younger brother pastor mikey who's in orlando i'm in orlando right now everybody he pastors in orlando and then my younger sister uh, pastor debbie and her husband pastor will uh, pastor our third campus there in Jubilee Worcester and you know growing up in a large family was a lot of fun um, very very uh, exciting um, I, I think that our family is is rare and I think it's a testament to my parents um, the Bible says if you if you train your children in the way that they should go when they get old they will not depart from it um, now by all means all of my brothers and sisters, including myself, we've all gone through our tests and trials and yeah. adversities, right? <laughs> because there is no such thing as perfection. You know, right. the Lord, the Lord is not looking for perfection; He's looking for surrender. Um, but all of us have surrendered our hearts um, to uh, the Lordship of Jesus Christ and are determined to follow our the path that the Lord has marked out for us. Um, and I'm, I was just blessed to have uh, incredible parents that did not just preach something, but they actually lived something. Mm. Now Habakkuk 2.2 says that we are to write the vision down, make it plain so that the readers can read it and run. Um, and most people, they, they don't have a vision for their life or for their family, but my parents did. Uh, and they made it very clear about what their vision was, what their expectations were of us. But then, but then the third thing that is so critical 
is not just to write your vision down and make it plain so that you can read it and your family can read it and run, but then you have to become the living embodiment of that vision. And if you become the living living embodiment of that vision, then people will recognize that you are more than just someone that can talk a good game, but you can actually live it as well. And so I always say all the time, you've probably heard me say this in church, because you are a member of Jubilee, right? <laughs> that more is caught than taught. And so um, I, I caught uh, so many incredible lessons of wisdom and understanding um, that now I am living out in front of my my children and my grandchildren. So, Thank you for sharing that. And the fact that most of your siblings ended up in ministry is so fascinating because you definitely hear stereotypes of what preachers kids do and all of that so that's amazing to hear that i did not yeah, know that and and unfortunately some of those stereotypes are unfortunately they right. they, they, are, they are true mm-hmm. um but uh, but you know i think that um you know my dad i i remember growing up you know and and people saying you know your dad you know he's he's crazy and he's 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 brainwashing you guys, and I was like, oh, no, he's not. He's not brainwashing us. He's just teaching us the truth, and we're determined to follow the truth. Um, but but I think many of us, actually, all of my my siblings, we are walking in that truth because we realize the power in the truth, um, not just in the words, but actually in in the truth. Um, and so if you if you walk before your children, and you actually live what you preach. Um, your children will go through tests and trials like I did, like you did. But when they get old, they will they, they, they will be anchored in in that truth. And fast forwarding a little bit, I know that you are a Morehouse man. <laughs> the house. Come so on. how does one come from Boston and decide to go to Morehouse and attend college there? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a pretty interesting question as well. You know, I, I was blessed. Um, to be, I'm, I was a gifted athlete, and and I still am. I, I still consider myself somewhat of an of an athlete, although I'm almost 50 years old. Right, my mind is still the mind of an athlete and a competitor. Uh, so I went to um, Wayland High School, and then went to Worcester Academy Prep School because I was being recruited by uh, certain colleges in the New England area, uh, Division One, Division Two schools, and you know, I, I graduated um, early, so I, w- I was young for my age. And so um, I went to prep school, um, loved my my time there in Worcester Academy. Um, but while I was there, I really encountered a certain level of, of racism and prejudice that I had not encountered growing up my entire life. And I went to predominantly white schools my entire life. Hmm. Um, and it, I think it was a convergence of you know, just what I was going through, how I was growing and just my mentality and the fact that my older sister uh, was at Spelman College and and she was just talking about the historical black college experience. And and I never looked at historical black college. Um, I was just being recruited from by different schools. And um, I got to a place in my life where I, 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 I just determined that I wanted to go to a school not based upon my athletic ability, but my, but my mental and my uh, academic um, uh, strength. 
And so I literally just said, you know, let, let me just look at the, the three or four top historically black colleges that had good basketball programs. And at the time, Morehouse was, I think, ranked number one or two in the Division Two, And they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated yeah. in 1990, 1991. And so I said, hey, you know, looks like Morehouse it is. And my sister was at Spelman. So I applied and I got in barely by the skin of my teeth. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, you know, I ended up going there and playing basketball and having a, having a successful um, college athletic career. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad now um, that I went to Morehouse. I love the experience, you know, I love the people that I, that, 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 that I, that I met and some of the, um, some of the friendships and brotherhood that was created in that particular space. Um, and to this day, um, um, I still have some great friends and some great memories of my days <laughs> in the house. Right. College <laughs> is definitely that place where, like you said, you make those lifelong, for the most part, friendships, which is really cool. When you were in college, though, did you feel that you had that calling for ministry at that point? Or did that no, come No, 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 no. No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, I, I was a part of this this program in Boston called Project Reach um, that was run out of the Freedom House. And so I always knew that when I graduated from college, um, well, I, I, I thought that I would play professional basketball, not the NBA, but maybe, yeah. you know, go, over, go overseas yeah. abroad. And I had the opportunity to do that. But I fell in love with my queen, with with my wife. And she had a she had a daughter, and I, I didn't think it was the right thing to do to crisscross them all around the world. Yeah. Um, so, but I always knew that I'd come back to Boston at some point, and I would serve my dad, um, and serve my community, um, and be a part of the solution. You know, a lot of us we complain about the problems, but we never really decide to be a part of the solution. So I always knew that I wanted to be a part of the solution, whatever that meant in serving my church, serving my community and serving the city that, that, that I love. Um, but I never thought necessarily ministry. Um, and what happened was after graduating um, and working corporate for a year, um, I honestly, I started to have these dreams um, about my dad, about just serving my dad and helping him. And um, I explained a dream that I had one time and um, he said, man, you know, that that that's that's a dream from from the Lord. And um, he hired he hired me my first job working for the for, for my for the ministry. I was my dad's personal assistant. And I took, I think, like a fourteen thousand dollar pay cut uh, to work for the church. And but it was the greatest uh, decision that, that that I made. And I honestly thought that. You know, my my ministerial uh, track would be, you know, behind the scenes, um, yeah. serving in administration and business. I was always gifted uh, with business and real estate and, you know, I was always involved in economic development. So, you know, the first seven or eight years of my ministry life, I, I ran the business and the day to day of Jubilee. Um, you know, founded a for profit real estate development corporation. We started a um a a, a record label um my wife started to build bookstores and and i just ran the day-to-day -day operations of the church 
And, um, and then really in my late twenties, early thirties, um, you know, the, the Lord literally spoke to me. Um, if you, if you, if you don't know my story, you know, my wife and I, we had a challenge trying to have children. And, um, when the Lord, uh, blessed us with a child, which was a miracle, um, you know, I, I was praying and I, I told the Lord, Lord, you know, I'm giving my son back to you. You can use him for however you want to use him. And the Lord spoke to me just as you hear my voice right now. He said, thank you for your son, but I'm still waiting for you. And in that moment, I knew that he was calling me to accept the call of pastoral ministry that had always been upon my life. But I was kind of running from it, doing good work, but not necessarily doing the perfect will that God had for me. And so I surrendered. And that was almost, I don't know, 17 years ago. And I haven't, uh, haven't looked back ever since. But it's interesting about all of those things that I learned I realized they were a part of the preparation of uh, me being able to lead Jubilee to the next season and even the next level um, that, that that the Lord is requiring um, at this particular time. So, you mentioned your queen. How did you two meet? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Bible says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So. My last year at Morehouse, um, I was just praying, really praying for a wife. Um, I knew that when I once I graduated from college, I wanted to be married. Okay. And um, and so my 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 sister, who was right under me, um, she was obviously still in Boston, and she kept on talking to me about this woman. You got to meet this woman. Her name is Mona. She's so amazing. She's so fabulous, and she's so this, and she's so that. And I'd be like, I, you know, now Mona was a member of our church, okay. but, you know, for three or four years, I was in college. So I, I didn't really, and she's a few years older than me. And so, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, she was, you know, older. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she's six years, she's six years older than I am, five, six years older than I am. So uh, now I'm in college and I'm praying for a wife and my sister, April keeps on talking about this woman, Mona. And so I, I came home one summer or one time and I met her. And literally the first time, the first conversation I had with Mona, I thought to myself, like, I know most people don't believe in love at first sight. And I can't say it was love at first sight. But right. It was it was def definitely love at first conversation because okay. and, and obviously she was a beautiful woman. But I remember going home saying to myself, man, this is the type of woman that I could marry. Um, and, um, and, and we started a friendship and then, you know, as God would have it, you know, I don't believe guys and girls can be friends. So <laughs> one time, one time I was in prayer and the Lord asked me a question, how I knew she was the one is the Lord asked me a question. The Lord said, can you imagine marrying someone else and not being Mona's friend? And at that moment, I couldn't imagine my life without her. And I didn't necessarily believe that that men and women can be platonic friends. One person ends up liking the other or vice versa. Right. So and I just couldn't see my life without her. And right. so I said, well, the Lord said, well, that, she's she's the one. And it's it's an interesting story because she was feeling the same way. 
but she was just she had some friends that were telling her you know if you guys are just friends if he's not going to take it to the next level you got to let this negro go so <laughs> she was calling me to tell me that we can no longer be friends and i was oh, calling her to confess it. my love for her and it wow. was like a serendipitous moment where cuz this is back in the day 26 27 years ago where you know no it wasn't no, it wasn't no cell phones or, <laughs> or FaceTime it was like if you were going to make a long distance phone call you were go it was going to cost some money <laughs> so i picked up the phone to call her and she had already called me wow and you know the rest is history we in uh july the uh, sixth, we celebrate 25 years of wow. marriage. That's amazing. Best decision I ever made in my entire life. <laughs> See, here we go. You knew. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that you've been able to open another campus for the church. In what ways have you had to be innovative during this pandemic? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, the church is uh, should be leading the world um, in terms of creativity because we serve a God that literally spoke the world into existence. Uh, we serve a God of creation. And many times the church becomes uh, limited in its focus and it becomes stuck in its traditions. Um, and of course, I believe in traditions and I believe in, you know, there are certain things that people that they, 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 they never, never want to change. But, but remember that change is inevitable. Um, but transition is a choice. How you transition in the midst of change is a choice. Um, and so, you know, there were some things that, the, that I believe that needed to change in the fabric of the church. And I'm not saying that God sent this virus to change. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists, but I do believe that now we can use this, this challenge to transition. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I think it was just God that years before this, uh, the virus came and the pandemic, you know, we had made some adjustments in terms of being a hybrid church, you know, the reality of it is, is that in our church, people didn't come to church every Sunday. People came to church every other Sunday because our congregation is so large that everyone came every Sunday. We wouldn't be able to, to house everyone. Right. And so, and then, you know, we realized, so, you know, we, we made a great emphasis on live stream and YouTube and Instagram. And we just, we started to make the transition probably somewhere like in 2017 2018 okay. updating our cameras and thinking about a hybrid world so when the pandemic happened we were we were ready we were prepared um to make the switch and to make the make the change uh, i mean our giving uh, was already online a, a good 40 to 50 percent of our giving already came through different platforms so we were in the, we were ahead of the curve. And I think it was just the, 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 the blessings of, of the Lord. Um, because every day I ask God for wisdom. James chapter one, verse five says, if, 
Anyone lacks wisdom, if he asks, that he'll give it to him freely without finding any fault. And wisdom comes from the Lord. Knowledge is something that you can acquire or you can attain. But wisdom comes from the Lord. And so uh, Solomon, you know, asked God for wisdom. And he, the reason why he asked God for wisdom is not just for himself, but because of the people that he was called to lead. And so in every leader that is watching right now or you're watching later, ask God for wisdom and the Lord, the Lord will give it to you. Um, and so, I mean, when we opened our second campus in Stoughton, in Brockton, it was because we had two to three thousand people that lived in that area that were traveling to our campus in Mattapan. And yeah. the Lord, you know, 12 years ago, blessed us with an opportunity to purchase you know, an old Catholic church. Um, and then as we were thinking about expanding the fact that we are a church without walls, um, you know, I, I, I felt the the pull of God to plant a church in, in Worcester and Lowell and New Bedford and Revere. And I mean, the Lord has given me so many different cities, uh, but, but the, then the Lord had to send or put put that area on someone's heart. And so my my younger sister and her our brother, my brother-in-law, Pastor Will and Pastor Debbie, they felt called to the Worcester area. And so before the pandemic, literally, we were about to sign a lease for a building there. And then the pandemic happened. Um, but we were already prepared for an online campus and we were already prepared. They had already moved there. They had already established their children's in that school system. Um, because I believe that if you're going to have an impact in an area in a city you need to put your feet on the ground right joshua one says every place where your feet tread belong to you and so pastor will and pastor debbie they were already walking the 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 ground and and walking the the streets and and praying and pastor will and i you know for the for a first like three or four months every so often i would travel there and we would just go and pray and look for land and look for buildings and, and look for places because we were preparing for what god was going to do and what he's still going to do but but here's the thing now now that we're in a digital age and we are in a technological age it's not just every place where your feet tread but it's every place where your face and your voice can carry that the Lord promises that he will give you that place. And so um, Pastor Will and Pastor Debbie, they're doing an incredible job um, with, our, with, with our Worcester campus. And we are looking, actively looking for um, a place, for a physical location. By the end of this year, 2021, uh, Jubilee Worcester will have a physical location. But, but now church has to change and the, 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 the process and and how we use church is going to have to be readjusted um, in the in the next seasons that 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 that, that we are walking in. And so um, as we prepare for that, uh, we're excited for that change and that transition. Well, that was a perfect transition because I was going to ask you, how do you think that churches overall are going to have to maybe adjust the way that they've generally proceeded yeah so so let me ask you a question are 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 you a sports fan yeah i used to cover sports actually here in boston okay so yeah. <laughs> who's who's your favorite team 
Okay, so uh, you're just flipping the table. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. <laughs> no, this is this is gonna help my point. Who's your favorite? This might be controversial, but I did grow up a Giants fan, but okay. I did okay. cover the Patriots, so no just problem, no problem. So you're a Giants fan, okay? So so how many Giants football games have you been to live? Actually, zero. Okay, See, awkward, so, yeah. so let's think about this. Okay, you've never been to yeah. a Giants football game mm-hmm. live. But you're still a fan, mm. which means that you still feel like connected to that team. Yeah. And so we're we are we are about to be living in an age where, I mean, right now our church has literally almost tripled because there are people that are members of Jubilee that have never been to a Jubilee service because they live in Ghana, they live in Nigeria, they live in San Diego, they live in Charlotte, or they live in. Tegucigalpa, or they live in a different part of, yeah. of the world, right? And so we are we are stepping into a hybrid age where there are people that will be members of Jubilee and they will come and be a part of the worship experience of all of any of our campuses. Um, but then there are people that may, for a season, they feel they may feel more comfortable watching online. Right. They they may feel more comfortable um, continuing to to be on morning prayer in the morning instead of coming to a building. And the church has to be prepared for the hybrid age of church. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, the church, like never before, must become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in terms of how they influence their community, which means that I see the church now becoming really like a hub for goods and services and helping the poor and the needy like we were long 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 time ago before the commercialization of church became this business model um and and so if you notice our church all of our churches and nothing against churches that have pews but but none of our sanctuary have pews because i want to be able to use that sanctuary for a meeting space for the community or maybe a place where we can house goods and services so that we can bless our communities and our surrounding cities. And so the church has to be continually growing and being able to be flexible uh, to be in a hybrid world that we're in. I heard my father say this years ago that um, the, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ will always be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The message of who Jesus is and what he is establishing is the same, but the methodology must change, must grow. Uh, There must be a transition of the methodology of how we interact with with our people also we pastor and we're a part of a multi-generational church which means that we have boomers and then we have gen xers and then we have millennials and we have gen wires and we have the next and so we have to be able to speak to the multifaceted generations within our church so that we can all walk in 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 unity and so that's challenging and it's a lot of fun um and i'm praying for those, I'm praying for pastors and leaders that they are willing to take that um, that charge 
Um, people have asked me all the time, you know, when are you opening? When are you going back? And, I, and I've said, you know, going back is not biblical. The Lord is always requiring us to go forward. He's always requiring us to grow and to extend and to stretch. And so uh, I'm, Jubilee's not going to go back. Jubilee's not going to, we're not going to open up again. No, we're going to relaunch. There will be a relaunching of our ministry that will be even greater. That will be even more expensive. That will even have a greater impact in Boston, in New England, in Worcester, in Brockton, in Revere. We're going to relaunch and we're going to be able to um, see true transformation um, in our city. And I'm excited just to be a part of it. There are so many other great churches and so many great organizations. And I'm excited just to be a part of uh, one of those uh, that is looking to grow and expand. Do you have a timeline for the relaunch or are you still playing it by ear for now? Well, you know, I, I believe that the church, that people come to church, really, the church is really a hospital. Really, the name of our church is Jubilee Christian Church Hospital. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's a place for people that are sick, the people that need direction, people that need healing, people that need peace, people that are looking for for life and strength. And so, you know, the church needs to be a safe place. Um, and so I am so concerned about um, the safety of all of our congregants from the multifaceted generations of our, of our church. And so obviously I'm prayerfully, uh, first I'm listening to the voice of God. Then of course, you know, I have a team of, of our medical staff and medical team. I'm following the CDC guidelines. You know, I want to see, you know, the numbers of people that are vaccinated, um, you know, reach a certain, a certain level. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, even with the vaccination, um, and, and I believe in getting uh, vaccinated by all means, but I think the Bible says in Hosea chapter four, verse six, that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And I think, unfortunately, especially in the African-American community, there are people that, that are confusing vaccinations with immunizations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, immunization is when you get uh, a, a shot and it protects you from whether it's the mumps or the measles or polio. Or, and I think there are too many people that, that believe that the vaccine is like an immunization and it's like a force field. Um, right. But the vaccination is just what that is. It's giving you your body the ability to fight off the in just in case you do contract COVID. And so I think that we as a church, as a people, we need to be more uh, knowledgeable of what is happening, but also uh, being concerned about our brother and sister, uh, be more concerned about the needs of our brother and sister. I may be able to, 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 to fight off you know, an infection or disease, but I don't know if my brother or my sister or my neighbor or that elderly person will be able to fight up. And so um, I'm prayerfully looking at the time, the timelines, and strategically prayerfully asking the Lord when is the right time. Now, this past Easter, a couple of days ago, we had our first live service. It was in our second campus. But it was outside and we had a drive in and we had over, you know, 250, 300 cars with 
you know, family members in, in that, in those cars and people were able to stand outside with their masks on. And it was amazing. And it's so exciting. So I see us in the summer months doing some outside um, services and of course, continuing to be, to be online and to minister to our online uh, community. And, um, and then, you know, as a team, we have come up with phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four uh, for our opening plan or our relaunching plan. Um, but we are in the midst of phase one of the relaunch of, of Jubilee. Nice. And final question, and because I know you are a sports fan, very unapologetic about your Patriots, I was curious, what is your favorite Boston sports team, if it is the Patriots? <laughs> Listen. I love football. Okay. But I'm a ball. I'm a ball player, man. I'm, okay. I'm Celtics. <laughs> if you cut my arm right now, I would bleed green. There would there be green stuff coming out of my arm. <laughs> no, my I, I, <laughs> I love I love the Celtics. I used to be. I used to uh, have season tickets. You know, years ago with Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce. You know the where, where the where the where the jungle used to be rocking, man, and uh, obviously I love Tatum, I love Jalen Brown, um, I love our our new team, and um, excited to see um, them reach their potential. So, let's go Celtics. Locked in answer. I thought it was gonna be the Patriots, so you definitely flipped the script on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Matthew Thompson, thank you so much for joining Ten Questions with NBC Ten Boston. It was an honor. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed listening into that conversation with Matthew K. Thompson. Please be sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Write a review if you have the time. And as always, share with a friend who you think would also enjoy that conversation. You can check out the video on NBC10Boston.com slash 10 questions and come back next week for another conversation.